Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. everyone and welcome to Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. I'm your co-host Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Joining us today, James Kondasami. Thanks for coming on the show, James. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm very good. Thanks for having me on the show. Good. Nice to have you on the show. Um, a little bit about James. He is the principal at Achieve Investment Group, which is a real estate company actively engaged in multifamily acquisition asset management, property and construction management. James has identified, underwritten and overseen the acquisition process of over $65 million of quality multifamily investments. So super impressive. James, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Well, I'm a, I'm an electrical engineer with an MBA. My wife and I, we run, uh, we run multifamily investment, um, from A to Z, right? So we do everything from identifying the deal, uh, financing the deal, to property management, to rehab construction. So, so we basically raise money from high net worth, uh, all private individual, and syndicate the deal, and we become the operators or the uh, primary sponsor of the deal. And uh, that's what we do. We buy value-add deals, uh, we rehab, and we try to refinance, and we continue repeating that same process again and again. Fantastic. Awesome. So let's start by talking about why you invest in multifamily instead of other asset classes. Why do you choose multifamily? Well, multifamily, there's there's many reasons for multifamily, right? First of all, it's one of the... uh, easiest asset class to understand, right? So basically it's a, it's a housing asset class compared to all other commercial real estate uh, where you basically you have renters, they pay, the, they pay the rent, which becomes the income and you have expenses, income minus expenses minus mortgage, you get the cash flow. Um, that is very, very simple asset class to understand. Uh, second reason would be the advantage of tax benefit, right? So multifamily is the only... Um, asset class that you get the tax depreciation divided by, uh, which is distributed across 27.5 years compared to all the other asset class. Um, Because all the other asset class, I believe is 39 years or 37 years, which is much more longer. So as an investor who's investing for tax benefit, uh, you get a lot more benefit from investing in the, in the multifamily, right? Um, Third is multifamily versus single family. I mean, uh, single family is a lot of work. I've, I've, we started with single family. We started with uh, 11 to 13 houses and then we moved on to multifamily and you just get stuck after like 10 houses. And it's a lot of work because you know you have to manage every single houses. You have, you have different insurance that expires at different time and your property taxes and you are managing directly the tenants, right? Whereas multifamily, you can run it as a business where you know we have our own uh, property management staff uh, we have like 24 staff right now so they run the operation and we are like the business owners we manage it um 
fourth would be uh, multifamily. If you look at it, uh, after 2008 crash, uh, there was a huge, uh, I would say, a black swan effect uh, on the multifamily asset class. Um, a lot of renters, uh, I mean, not a lot of renters, a lot of house owners is, has believed that renting has become much more viable option compared to owning a house because a lot of them see their parents losing their house in the, during the uh, 2008 housing market crash. Um, so, and there's a lot more belief right now that renting is much more a better option. So what has happened is if you look at the rents, you know, it used to be cyclic at one level. And then after 2008, it has moved to a completely different level, right? So the cycle has shifted to a degree much higher, which means uh, you find that a lot more people are renting, right? So we are more, becoming more and more renters nation compared to house owners nation. And a lot of millennials and also the baby boomers, they are just, you know, want that flexibility to move around jobs uh, with everything going in the cloud right now with internet and all that people just want to move around and uh, have that flexibility to uh, go and rent wherever they want. They want to live wherever they want. They do not want to take care of the lawn and yard and the swimming pool. They just might as well just go and stay somewhere in an apartment with all that amenities and pay the rents on a monthly basis. Yep, um, I, I can't agree more. I mean, it's that instant gratification type of thing, right? So mm -hmm. it's definitely where the, uh, the market's headed and uh, you, you hit it right on the head. So you're what we would call an active investor. Can you describe to our listeners what the difference between an active investor and a passive investor is? So active investors are basically the person or the are the group of people who go and find the deal, finance the deal. They also do asset manage the deal and they handle the lenders relationship, uh, bank financing. At the same time, they manage the overall uh, investment, right? Uh, that is the active investors. And passive investors are basically people who, you know, who have equity in the deal, who have given their funds to be part of the equity, uh, but they're passive. They're not really doing anything. So, a lot of high net worth people who are busy with their own W2 jobs, uh, but still want to earn money through real estate. Uh, they are the passive investors uh, because they give money to these uh, active investors. So that's at very high level. Uh, but even within the active investors, there's different type of group of people within the active investors because sometimes the pie of the general partnership, which is the active investors, can be split into different different people, right? Like asset managers the operators and also the money raisers and also the uh, property management companies and all that. So, so uh, that's, that's a very high level on what's the difference between the active and passive investors. Okay. And typically in your deals, do you have one passive investor or multiple passive investors per deal? We have quite a lot of passive investors because we do large deals. Uh, so some of the deals I have, like, I mean, the smallest deal I have was 45 units. I have like, four passive investors. That was our first deal. And one of the largest one we did, which has like 309 units, I think $19 million deal. We raised almost $6 million. Uh, I think we have almost uh, 60 passive investors. So oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So yeah, as we go bigger deals, uh, we have a lot more passive investors. Um, and sometimes it can be not because of we need that many people sometimes we want to establish you know we want to keep on increasing our investor database for future at the same time we want to build a relationship as well with the new passive investors right mm -hmm. right perfect okay 
So what would you say the most common question your passive investors ask you? Because our, our show is focused on educating passive investors. So we want to get it on that side of it. So mm-hmm. what would you say the number one question is? I think the new, I think the, the passive investors who have invested with me many times, they, most of the time they never ask me any questions because they know our track record and how we work how we communicate, how we underwrite deals and all that. But a lot of new passive investors, they would ask like, uh, you know, first of all, are they part of the equity or not, right? Because some syndications are structured as, you know, you are, you are part of the debt. You're not really in equity. So a lot of new passive investors, they want to know, are we, do we own as part of the property or not? Yes. So in my syndication and a lot of syndication, yes, that's true a case, right? You own part of the equity of the deal, which means you own part of the property as well. Um, second is, you know, how's the compensation structure between the GPs, general partners or active investors versus the passive investors, right? So how is it being split? How the profits are being split? Uh, third questions would be, uh, what happened if I do not want to be in the deal for five years, which is usually the usual plan of timeline plan that sponsors or active investors plan for. So can I sell my stock? Can I sell my shares? How do I sell? And what happened if something happened, right? Um, other questions are like, can I invest with an LLC? Can I invest with a trust, right? Um, other than that, more questions like, can I invest with an IRA? Um, so that are the high level questions that passive investors, especially new passive investors would ask. And uh, we, ha- we are happy to answer all their questions. In fact, on my website, there's a lot of free webinars that I did for my passive investors uh, that covers all this uh, topic, right? Um, and also some of the tax benefits that they get. What do they get in terms of their tax benefits, right? So, Right. And just so everyone knows, every deal is different. Every deal sponsors are different. So there's no one answer to any of those questions. It's really dependent on the sponsor and that current deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. So as a passive investor, what should you be looking for before investing in real estate? Maybe give three different things. So first of all, I would say um, primarily look at behind who is the sponsor, right? Who's the operator, I would say, not even sponsor. So sponsors come up, sometimes there can be two, three sponsors who are at the general partnership, right? And not everybody is the operator, right? So I think they need to identify who's the operator, right? The operator are the person who are the, who's doing very active asset management, the person identified the deal, underwrite the deal, and it's one of the, main person who's going to implement the business plan of the deal. So this operator are the key person who's going to decide whether the deal is going to be succeeding or not, because it depends on the skills of that operator on how they turn around the deal. Right. So, um, so identify who's the operator, right? Uh, second of all is um, look at the operators uh, track record, right? Or the sponsors, the group of sponsors track record, what they've done in the past, right? What kind of deal they've done in the past. Um, and, and third would be, I would say, you know, whether the deal is a right deal for them or not, right? So not all deals are right deal for the person itself, right? So for example, uh, there's different types of deals, right? There's, there's core type, which is, you know, cash flowing day one, there's not much of equity upside, whereas there's value add, which is it's a mixture of both and there's deep value add or opportunistic where there's a lot of equity that you can get, but you may not get cash flow, right? So. So any passive investors need to decide whether they are, they are focused on cash flow 
or they focus on equity, right? So, so especially when you're young, you really don't, you, you have a, when you're not, not really young, when you have a stable W2 job and when you really don't need that cash flow monthly kind of thing, kind of income, uh, you can always take some risk and do a deep value add or value add deals. Whereas when you are on a later part of an investment cycle, you may not want to take that risk. You want to make, take more, you want to look more for cash flowing deal because you need that less risk about high cash flow because the cash flow is going to sustain your, you know, um, you know, when you don't have a W2 job uh, income, right? So, so look at what is important to them um, and then decide from there, right? Um, other than that, uh, passive income need to be looking at different asset classes as well and different markets as well. So sometimes some, some you know, passive investors are stuck to one market all the time or one asset class all the time. I mean, I would encourage them to look for operators at different asset classes as well because, I mean, multifamily is, is awesome, but as I said, there's, there's, you have to find who's the right operator, who's the best operator in, in multifamily and, and partner with them, right, as a passive investor. At the same time, if you find someone who's really, really good at self-storage, I would encourage them to also, you know, look at partnering with them. So as a passive investor, you are open to, investing in any asset class, right? So um, I would say, make sure they find the best operator in that asset class and invest with them. Yeah, and you hit it on the head. I think it's really important to make sure that it fits your needs, right? As an investor, yeah. mm-hmm. you should have a set criteria and you should know what your goals are and based on your goals is really what you're gonna invest in. Just because a sponsor says a deal makes 15% IRR does not mean it's the deal for you. You know, how long's the hold? Is it three years? Is it seven years? Is it 10 years? You know, it depends on your goals. So all that's going to be really important to, to vet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, I've seen two types of uh, passive investors. One passive investors would select a few operators that they really like and they think have, have good try record and they invest a lot of their money with this, a few operators, Right. Whereas there's another investor who knows, who thinks that real estate all over is good, right? So they would invest 50,000 into like, into like 10 or 20 deals, 50, 50, 50, 50, for example, right? And then whereas the originally, the earlier investor I was talking, they would invest like 300,000, 200,000, 200,000 with three people, right? Whereas distributing that 50,000 across 20 deals, right? So, so the second investor who had distributed it, he believes real estate is good, right? So he invests equally among everybody. Whereas the first investor, they're taking some bets uh, with, with, a, with, a, with the operator that they trust. So it's two different types of uh, investors that I've seen as a passive investors. Yep. Okay. So from a passive investor standpoint, what would you say the biggest difference between a great investment is and a poor investment? I think a great investment from passive perspective is when they have identified the operator who has been able to turn around a property, who has a good track record, you know, I would say everything great or not great depends on whether they have successfully identified a really great operator or not. So, I mean, it's hard to really look at numbers and look at performa and make a judgment whether, you know, whether the performa or the numbers are really solid in terms of what's going to be returning in the next you know, few years that to come, right? But if you have, if you know, if you are able to find a really good operator, you'll be able to, you know, look at that person's track record and, you know, believe in them. And usually they, they once they see a good track record from an operator, they're able to get really good returns. 
Whereas the poor passive investors are too much looking into the numbers. I've seen many times passive investors looking at every single detail on year on year, year on year cash on cash. Yeah, you look at average cash on cash, right? But you look at year three, why is it down? Whereas why is the IRS like this? Why is the annualized capital? Annualized return is like, you know, uh, is this number. So they're too much into the numbers, right? When they're too much into the numbers, they think the numbers are the ones going to be making the difference, right? Whereas um, the experienced passive investors would know that, you know, it's the operator, right? Because you can put any numbers on an Excel spreadsheet and, you know, um, tell a lot of stories behind it, right? But if you're not, uh, if you're not really looking at uh, the operator and, you know, really making a judgment, good judgment call on who's the operator that you want to invest on, um, that would make a difference between a good passive investor and a, and an average passive investor, I would say. Yep. I, I was going to say the same thing. You can make an Excel spreadsheet, say whatever you wanted to. So um, it can look good on paper. It's, it really is about uh, what's happening on the field, right? Uh, who's Correct. operating it, what's happening on a day-to-day basis, and uh, if that operator is trustworthy and uh, has a good solid business plan. Correct. And, and the best, the easiest way for any passive investors to find out about a new operator, right, is, is just go and talk to the, the operator's passive investor who have invested with the operator and ask them, hey, how is that person? Is he walking the talk? Is he communicating regularly? Is he, you know, is he being open about any issues, good or bad, right? So, so that's the best reference you can get, you know, it's a bit hard for us to know any, anything else other than the track record of the operator. Right. Okay. So you mentioned some of these, but what are some red flags that passive investors can look into um, for a sponsor or a syndication deal? Um, Red flag uh, would be not able to answer the assumptions. I mean, um, so when you show an Excel spreadsheet saying this is the, what the uh, rent income growth going to be or what expense growth going to be. And then, if they can't explain what's behind the numbers, right? Or if they, if, if an operator can't really explain the household dynamics, the demand dynamics of the numbers, right? Uh, what market are they choosing, right? Uh, and why are they choosing their deals, right? A lot of times people find the deals and later look at the market. Or a lot of times, not many people even look at the market, right? They just look at the deal and put the numbers together and they just show this is the return, right? So... So uh, an operator who's not able to understand the market uh, demand uh, is going to be, it's going to be so-so, right? So it's banging on luck right now. Um, other red flag, uh, just Google the person and see and uh, whether you can see whether the person, you know, there's anything, any report popping out on, on the online, you'll be surprised to see. Not many people do that too, right? Uh, um, and also see whether the, you know, whether you're able to align uh, with the, um, with the sponsor or not, or with the operator or not, right? Some, some people you just, there's something behind them that you don't feel comfortable. So, so you just don't invest with that kind of, it's, it's, it's a very, very subtle. It's not really a straightforward red flag, but some, uh, some operators or sponsor, you just can't really, you know, uh, have a gut check there, right? There's something wrong there. Um, other than that, uh, I would say knowledge of the market, you know, a lot of operators are new to the market and they do not know what's happening in that particular sub-market. And real estate is very, very localized, right? Uh, if they do not know the market and how they demand, uh, how the tenant base it's uh, consists of, how the operations are usually run, right? Uh, 
um, they would not be able to really turn around the property, right? They either rely on the property management or they rely on the market, right? And both are not reliable, right? Market is good if it's good, if there's a win behind your back, but that's not going to be there all the time, right? Compared to the last nine years. Whereas the property management uh, is a hit or miss, like 95% of the property management are not really good, right? The five, to hit that 5% good ones is hard, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to know the details of the operation as an operator. Okay, so what about if you find a good sponsor, great track record, what are some things you want to look for in a specific deal? What are some red flags? Uh, well, whether you, uh, let's say if, if, if the same sponsor, great track record, uh, you know, if you already invested a lot with them, you may want to diversify as well. Um, apart from there, I mean, usually a good sponsor will bring good deals, right? So they're not going to be bringing marginal deals because that's what their track record comes in. Um, and look at the confidence of the sponsor, right? How they communicate, right? Sometimes you can find things from just, from their tone of the voice, how confident they are with the deal, right? Um, but as I said, usually good sponsors will be very conservative, uh, you know, very sharp in their approach to deals. They are sharpshooters. They're not going to be doing deals in all the time. Um, they select their deals very carefully, right? Um, and they have a lot of knowledge, which the normal, the new sponsors will not have, right? So the new sponsors will rely a lot on Excel spreadsheet, whereas the experienced one will rely a lot on, on market and, and analysis of the sub-market. Okay, okay. So we'll switch gears a little bit and talk about the state of the market. At this current stage in the market, do you feel like multifamily is still a prudent investment? Yes, absolutely. I think multifamily, if you look at all the asset class, I think the recently there was a, a recent analysis released by either Costa or some big commercial asset um, classes uh, um, company, which says multifamily is outperforming all other asset classes. Um, so multifamily is still a very good investment compared to all the other asset classes. However, if you buy it right, right? So it has become so expensive right now, the cap rate, the entry cap rate for a lot of deals out there has become so competitive. Uh, that people are still buy, buying it, right? Because there's so many investment clubs, so many gurus teaching multifamily investment. What has happened is there's a lot of students and a lot of passive investors just jumping into the bandwagon too late in the cycle. So what's happening mm -hmm. is a lot of people are overpaying for deals right now. So if you're, if you're able to buy it right, if you are able to buy it right in the right location with a confident operator, yes, it's absolutely uh, still a very good investment. Yeah, I agree. So, so you can't be like five years ago where you throw into one, you throw a stone into a multifamily on the map and you still make two hundred percent. Right. A lot of people. So it comes back down to the operator, basically, right? If exactly. You the so they're going to buy right. They're going to. Yeah, it. yeah. I mean, if you look at all the markets, especially all the sexy markets, right? Dallas, Austin. Um, you know, it has really, really uh, flew off the charts in terms of appreciation, mm -hmm. right? So even though the operator is really, really bad. Just the market has them carried them very highly, right? Uh, in terms of value, and um, it's not the op it's not the operator or the sponsor; it's the market, right? So yeah, yeah. I think the next couple of years going to prove who the good operators are because you know yeah. things are changing, and if you're not operating properly, you're going to be the first to go. 
Yeah, yeah, no, even right now, uh, I know a lot of, not a lot, I would say a good amount of, uh, you know, uh, operators which has failed, right? Uh, which bought after like 2015, 2016, and they realized they just overpaid for it, right? And they didn't operate it well. Now, either they're selling it at a, at a, at a loss, not a huge loss, but at least 5 to 10% loss, or some of it, they just can't turn it around. They're just uh, giving up their leadership to another operator. Right, so there's a lot of things happening nowadays in the market because a lot of people have overpaid. Yep, and those are things you don't really hear too much about, and so that's you know one of the reasons Alita and I have this podcast is to make sure that the passive investors understand that. Look, four or five years ago, you couldn't mess up a deal. Now you can. So it's really important to know who you're going in with and why you're doing it, and making sure everything aligns with your goals. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, market is at it's at. In fact, it has passed the peak right now. We are, we have, uh, we have slightly passed the peak right now. So you know, a lot of operators uh, are not do- doing as well as what they used to do in the past. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. Okay, so you have a new book that just recently launched. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, the book is called uh, "Passive Investing in Commercial Real Estate: The Insider Secrets to Achieving Financial Independence." Uh, it's in Amazon uh, right now. And uh, the reason I wrote that book, uh, first of all, is there's not just not much materials out there for passive investors. There's a lot of books about hey, how, do I, how do you underwrite a mul- apartment complex or multifamily? How do you find which market to invest? Uh, how to raise money? There's a lot of books out there, right? But a lot of passive investors really don't care about all that, right? They, wa- they are passive. They want to invest their hard-earned money into a good uh, deal and sponsor, right? Uh, and so I wrote the book in t- to reflect all my experience working with passive investors. And I also invest passively, uh, even though not a lot, but I do invest. So, so my perspective on how the market is right now, because I know a lot of sponsors out there. I know different types of deals. I talk to them. I know different types of structures. Uh, so for me, I just wanted to make sure that I communicated that back to passive investors, you know, especially people who are coming new to the industry. Right. And, and, what has happened is a lot of passive investors have been in a groups, right? So only this within this group, they think that group knows the most, right? This is the right structure. This is the best structure. Whereas they didn't know about the other structure, right? So even different types of compensation, there's like two big types of compensation and people always interchange between these two compensation, right? So, so um, I know what type of fees does the, uh, does the sponsors charge, right? And because sometimes you are within one group or you are only within a few groups, you do not know what exactly happening in the industry. So, so I wrote this book to uh, uncover all that um, hidden uh, secrets or you know, to get away from herd mentality, right? So to make sure people are aware of different, different types of options they have as a passive investor. So it talks about how do you consider deals, uh, you know, uh, what's the process like working with a sponsor, you know, uh, what are the sources of capital that they can use, you know, how to look for a, a good deal sponsor, right? What are the things that you want to look behind their background? What are the, why is a sponsor is really good, right? So, you know, how do you identify an operator, right? From a group of people in the GP ship, right? So, um, and uh, why you want to invest, right? What are the regulations that you have in the SEC, right? So it touches quite broadly across the industry and i think it's a good uh, I, I think it's definitely a good book for any new passive investors or even the experienced one to pick up and just read it and see because there's a lot of things that is not explained well 
in any books or any groups, right? Because a lot of groups, they have this group mentality, right? They, they think they know the most. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> so it's my attempt to basically uh, distribute information for passive investors. And look yeah, no, great. It. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, yeah, like no, no sponsor. When I raise money from you, it's not going to tell you that. Why not you look at it whether this is suitable for you or not, right? So nobody's going to tell you that, right? They just want to raise the money. They're just going to tell all the nice things about the deal, and they're going to raise the money, right? So, so some of the things that I wrote in the book is like you want to look at what characteristics of different deals and see whether it matches your investment cycle or not, right? So, um, same thing even in stock market, right? There's tons and tons of resources in you know Wall Street Journal, a lot of books talks about how do you invest in stocks, right? But there's no books talking about how do you invest in real estate passively, right? Because even in stock, you are passive, right? You are not controlling anything mm-hmm. in the stock, but in real estate, you are investing passively, but there are just no, no documents or materials that are out there for them to read to make a, a good judgment call. Great, love it. Kyle and I will have to go pick up your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's the audio book. Uh, but audio book, I think you have to sign up on my website to get the audio book, but there's going to be a Kindle version there's, there's a Kindle version and there's a physical book. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's just going to be a really nice uh, addition to your knowledge base. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Well, in wrapping things up, I'm going to ask you our final four questions. So you ready sure. for it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So what is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Oh, my Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my underwriting uh, spreadsheet, right? Because I have my own underwriting spreadsheet. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I am working on on uh, um, you know, getting giving that for subscription as well. Uh, because I look for different things when I underwrite a deal. I am I'm a value at uh, multifamily investor, so I look for value in a deal, right? So mm-hmm. and different aspects to look for that value. So. So yeah, the mind writing spreadsheet is one tool that mm-hmm. I can get away with. Yeah, I think Kyle can second that. His <laughs> ana- deal analyzer is his deal most analyzer. important tool. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far? Um, and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Um, well, I mean, we do big deals right now in multifamily, right? I'm, we have done $65 million deals. Uh, but a lot of learning that we had was on the single family side. When we started, we have to manage directly our contractors, uh, tenants, and we learned a lot of things on how to manage tenants, how to manage contractors. So, so we have, you know, we have uh, lost money in, you know, giving it to the wrong contractors, right? But we learned how do you manage contractors. So now we're doing multi-million dollar contractor management and we know all that learning from single family translate to multifamily, right? Like how do you separate, um, how do you reduce your costs by not hiring a GC? And then where do you want to hire a GC, right? So all that comes with experience from single family. So yeah, we have lost money in single family, you know, rehab construction, even though we really didn't lose because when we flip, we make a lot more money on the houses as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a learning um, that we have, we have, we have had in, uh, but it was good that it's contained on the single family side of it. Great. Uh, what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Uh, I need to make sure that I'm able to um, 
control myself of not doing deals, right? I mean, if you look at the market peak right now, there's so much capital chasing the small number of deals, right? So as a sponsor like us, we have to really, really discipline ourselves to really look for deals that make sense, that deals that can work, right? At the same time, you behind your mind, you also have a market is very hot right now. Do you want to do deals or do you want to mm-hmm. wait or what, right? So I'm analyzing myself on what is my next step, right? Um, not doing deals is like not doing any work, right? It's boring for us. So I'm looking at, you know, how do I find deals more creatively? At the same time, I'm also looking at, hey, should I look at a complementary asset class or not, right? So commercial asset class moves in cycle. When one goes down, there's something else going up. So I'm looking for which asset class is complementary and which matches our skills, right? So we are very good rehabbers. Uh, my wife is a very good rehabber. So, uh, so we are looking for things that we can go and rehab and at the same time uh, love what we're doing. So what asset class is that? So multifamily has been the best until now. Mm-hmm. So that's where my dilemma is, right? You know, um, do I, how do I find much better deals at these times of hot market? At the same time, uh, shall I look for another asset class uh, so to complement uh, the multifamily as well? Mm-hmm. Great. And lastly, where can people find out more about you? Uh, on my website, there's a lot of tons of free resources for passive investors. Uh, website is called Achieve Investment Group, like achieving a goal, A-C-H-I-E-V-E, achieveinvestmentgroup.com. And my email is james at achieveinvestmentgroup.com. Um, and you can find me even in LinkedIn and Facebook. You know, just look for James Kandasamy. Um, I'm pretty active uh, in that social media network. Awesome. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts and experience with all of us. Thank you for providing us with so much information. And I'm sure it added value to most, if not all of our listeners. Oh, uh, so yeah. much knowledge. Yeah, so much knowledge can be taken away from this interview on both uh, the active and the passive investor side. So with that being said, Mm -hmm. uh, thank you everyone for spending some time with us. James, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I mean, I don't think so. There's any other podcast that focuses on passive investors. So I'm really happy that you guys are doing it. Passive investors are 95% of the real estate investors out there. And nobody have a podcast for them. A lot of podcasts are for active investors, right? <laughs> and they promote themselves all the time, right? So, right exactly. <laughs> what about passive investors? Hey, we are the 95%, not we. <laughs> I'm part of them. But the majority of the passive investors are not, um, they don't have a way to get knowledge and information for their standpoint, right? For their investment. So I'm really happy that you guys are doing this podcast for them. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.